Type Network presents The views and opinions expressed in the Pisada Tales are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of the people, institutions, or organizations that they may or may not be associated with professionally or personally unless explicitly stated. Any content provided by the host and guests are of their own knowledge and opinion and do not intend to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Hello, Jay here. Uh, Happy New Year to all of you guys. I would just like to take this time to thank all of you for listening to the Pissarra Tales uh, this past 2020. And of course, with 2021 coming up, there's still plenty more of content, plenty more of stories to tell you guys. Uh, I hope that you'll still stick around and you know join us for the rest of the year as far as I could take this, basically. Uh, this episode is was actually recorded during the Christmas break, I uh, got the uh, got the chance to catch up with one of my former teachers again, and I hope that you guys enjoyed this one. So stay safe, uh, take care to all of you guys. God bless. Through education, you can also better yourselves in other ways. You learn how to learn, how to think critically, and find solutions to unexpected challenges. Education also teaches you the value of discipline. Right, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pissarra Tales. I'm Jim Australia, or Sir J, as my students call me. And this podcast is all about my thoughts and experiences as a young millennial teacher. Welcome, Happy New Year to everyone, whether you are listening through Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. We appreciate you joining us this week. And of course, as always, the Pissarra Tales is part of the Filipinas Indie Podcast and Entertainment Network, or Pipe Network for short. Maraming salamat po sa Pipe. You can check out their other podcasts as well. We'll put a link in the description of this episode. So, yes, um, Happy New Year to everyone. Like I said, this is going to be our first episode with a guest, right? For this year, for 2021. Wow, it's still weird saying 2021. Um, but yes, uh, my first guest is a very special one. He graduated AB Political Science from the Ateneo de Manila University in 2004 and also graduated with distinction as an ADB scholar, um, graduating with a master's in development management in the, from the Asian Institute of Management in 2013. He used to be my teacher in social, social studies in Philippine Science High School main campus uh, until he became a managing director and chief operations officer of Quality Education Design Company, Inc. And he is now currently the acting chief operations officer of FINMA, uh, Araulio University in Capanatuan City. So please welcome my first guest of 2021, Mr. Martin Perez. Woo! Woo Happy New Year, JM. Happy Hi. New Year, sir. Uh, how are you? Well, I'm good. And uh, good day also to all your listeners. Yes. I, I see you're doing very well. Huh? Good job. <laughs> Thank you very good much. <laughs> so how, how are the holidays? Have you, uh, how are the holidays so far? I've been very restful. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been very quiet, uh, <laughs> you know, and we, we've just been at home as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's a big difference pag walang mga Zoom meetings, no? Yeah. Uh, and you get to really decompress and uh, it feels like a vacation, to be honest. Yeah, there, there, there's no fatigue from, you know, staring at the screen mm-hmm. all day. Right, yeah, right. I can understand that. You are my first guest and... I've, well, I've been meaning to get you on the show for the longest time now. And since it is vacation, we're recording this during the vacation. Uh, at least now we have time <laughs> to do an interview yeah, like yeah. this. Uh, right. But like I said, it's not really much of an interview. It's just, you know, us, uh, you know, catching, catching up. up. Catching yes, up. Yeah. definitely. It's been years. Um, I, you've, mm-hmm. you've been my teacher when I was in second year high school. That was 22. 10, so that's almost a decade oh ago. Oh my god! <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring bring that up, but you know, I just, I just <laughs> oh my, I'm weird. And now that you have a family and all, I mean, you were a teacher when you were a bachelor, and now you have a family, and you're right, right. You're far away from the metro. As you know, yeah, most yeah. of us envy. <laughs> um, right, but let's right. just go back a bit. Um, this is something sure. that we never really talked about 
when I was still a student because you know the whole weird uh in relationship teacher student relationship uh so we didn't really get to know you you know on a personal level but I guess well, I just wanted to ask you you know when you were a student yourself what kind of a student were you were you the kind na you know tambay sa library or were you the one na you know going out with friends and all that so you know how would you describe yourself uh, as a student Okay, uh, I would like to think of myself as a that I was a good student. Uh, mm-hmm. I did not give a lot of my teachers a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's what I'd like to think. In terms of whether I was at the library or, or Tumatambay, well, I mean, so it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in grade school, there was a lot of uh, barcada and uh, playmates. And then later on, pagdating sa college, it was more library time and etc. Well balanced. I just... Balanced. Uh, kept my head low and uh, and if, if, if in terms of achievements girl would just think that I, w- I would consider myself a late bloomer um, mm-hmm. kumbaga, I just took what I could from from school uh, I took what made sense for me but then in terms of really pushing myself to achieve it did not happen until much later in college ah, <laughs> okay. back then how did you view your teachers and professors um you know did you have any who you I'm pretty sure you have someone that inspired you to be who you are today Oh yeah, um, I, w- I would say that my most memorable teachers are those who felt to me at the time were like second parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, uh, whenever I get asked this question, I go all the way back to to third grade. Oh. to my grade three advisor, I still know her name, Mrs. Barrera, mm-hmm. uh, in Don Bosco, Makati, uh, and uh, she was really the first person to to pull me aside and tell me na, that she believes in me uh, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, you know, she wants to 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 see me do well, etc. And then in high school, I also had a teacher who, who was my English teacher, um, Mrs. Paes, who is also now married, who mm. also t- told me na, na she expects to read more of my writing in the future. So these are par- <laughs> these are teachers who are like second parents to me, who really pushed me and inspired me to do more. Back then, did you have any idea that you would be in the education sector when you were growing up? Oh, uh, to be honest, yeah. Uh, number one, I, I did enjoy being in front of the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's one of, it was one of my guilty pleasures uh, growing up. No? Uh, if, if you ask what kind of student I was, I think this is a more vivid description. Mm-hmm. Ako yung tipong estudyante na pag absent yung teacher, ako yung substitute na inapoint. <laughs> You know that kind of student. So, oh, si Perez, ah, wala ako bukas. So, si Perez yung mag-hadil. So, oh, I, I, the Beatles? I, I, the so class I was that, I, Yeah, I think that answers your first question but a little bit more clearly now. <laughs> so, I was, that, I was that kind of student na ina-appoint ng teacher and then nasa harap ako, nandun ako sa podium. Yeah. And then I have this noisy voice list. No, no, the usual. <laughs> and uh, I, to be honest, I enjoyed it. No? And um, yeah. there and there are some lessons na ako nagtuturo. Like science, I used to teach. Pwede ba yun dati? It was a more simple time. Parang hirap. Parang elementary. Tapos parang wala ako bukas. Si Perez ang magtuturo. Parang, ha? Pwede ba yun? Parang yun. It's an informal thing. It's an informal thing. Yeah. Or usually, mag-iiwan yan ng assignment, mag-iiwan yan ng seat work, and then... And that makes more sense. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, I thought, yeah. like, you know, new lessons and stuff. Parang bawal yun. But anyway, you know, and if you were really interested in being in the education sector way before, I mean, why political science? Why not take an actual education degree? Oh, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. It's uh, There was uh, a time, actually, na... Uh, I was about to go into law. Mm-hmm. I wanted political science. No? Uh, during the decision time to to apply to college, um, it was one of the things that my father was really pushing me to do, you know, to take mm-hmm. up law. Uh, diba, yun naman ang traditional sa Pinoy family. Either yeah, mag-abogado ka, mag-abogado. Yeah, yeah. So that was the decision point at the time. I was 12 years old, 13. Mm-hmm. I, I did not know any better. 
Um, so, sige, Paul Sai. Um, because I did have an uncle who I highly respect, who I highly respect, who is, who's a lawyer. So, sabi ko, mm-hmm. sure, if I'll be like uncle, then why not? Diba? So, so I, went, I went for political science. But uh, even in my years of political science, though, siguro sa pinakadulo in my last semester of fourth year, parang dun, parang I finally went back to teaching. I took up an elective yeah. <laughs> on teaching and uh, you know nakapag practice teaching ulit. Nakandun ulit ako sa harap ng classroom parang grade school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've I've known you as someone who also likes to read. I mean, even back when you were in Pisay, apart from you making us uh, you know, read a lot of things. I could I right. could sense that uh you were pretty much a bookworm and that major major related din naman yun sa pagiging Paul sa and you know being right, you being right, a lawyer right. so parang right. it kind of it makes it makes sense now looking right, back right and until now right, I right. presume so, you still read a lot so yeah yeah I do <laughs> <laughs> how did you get into teaching then so you graduated Paul Sai in Ateneo and then how was this was was Pisay your first teaching gig uh how do I, how did I, do I go medyo matagal na to no 2004 <laughs> Well, yeah. no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't an instant kind of a thing. Um, I guess. Well, we did not use the term millennial back then. Yeah. But uh, maybe I had a stage that I was just being cool and. Uh, right after I graduated. Uh, took a gap year. I took up odd jobs. I think I told you the story before. And I worked slightly in a call center, mm-hmm. just so that I can earn money for myself. Yeah. But um, actually, I did shoot out applications. Uh, we graduate March, so mga April, I was shooting out applications to, to different schools, even to my alma maters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was applying for, uh, at that time, kasi I was, ano eh, Paul Sai, no? Mm-hmm. So I was applying to either social studies or English departments. And yeah. during that time, uh, they were getting much better candidates and assume who were either social studies or history or really teaching English. So I was an oddball uh, as an mm. applicant. So it wasn't an easy fit. But uh, yeah, I took a break. I took some odd jobs here and there. And then Pisay was a good twist of fate because I did send my application to Pisay as well. Mm. Um, I have a, I'm sure you know this, I have an aunt who, who was working in Pisay at that time, Mam mm. Oblipias. Okay, I was related to her, so okay. she 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 knows. So she was the one who actually recommended that I apply. You know? mm. And it was around November, and nagka uh, opening biglas sa unit. They saw that my qualifications fit the requirement, so yeah. I actually entered November. Uh, that was the middle of middle of the school year. Really. Middle of the school year, and that was actually. Parang I still remember that was very epic. There were like three weeks left before the third quarter periodic exam, <laughs> and uh, and I had to super alanganin dude, super alanganin, and I had to study. I had to study the curriculum, study the book, study the yeah. material, and get everything prepared in time for the periodic exam. So, yeah, that's how I got my break. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, kempre ano yun, eh, Since you come in as a substitute. Uh, they always tell you that you're not guaranteed to be renewed uh, after yeah. March. Diba? Because at that time, I was substituting for someone who underwent a medical procedure. So, sabi okay. nila, when, mom, when mom returns, then uh, you won't have a slot anymore. So, yeah. so during that time, I was saying, okay, that if it works out, then great. If it doesn't, then I move on to something else. But um, thankfully, it worked out. Uh, yeah. I think I did pretty okay. And uh, I hung around for a little bit longer than that. <laughs> yeah, you, you stayed you stayed for a while. That's uh, if you if that was around two thousand in six, I think two thousand five, two thousand two thousand four, two thousand four. Okay, two thousand four, and then you, you you left at you left at around ten years. So, so that was that was a long when, while. O- almost ten years. I I could have been a loyalty awardee. So, sayang yun. Hindi niya nahinatay. Yun yah, yun yah. Para sabi ng mga kaibigan ko, dapat nagitay ka na ten years to para. Sayang din yun. No, but, Parang nine. I, I think I, yeah. my total number of years was nine. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. And it's weird though, because Pisay is an incredibly competitive school and it's really geared towards right. students that are supposedly inclined in science. Uh, right. 
teaching social studies in a school mm-hmm. where you know you presume that most students are you know scientifically minded how was that like how was it like teaching a subject that your students might not necessarily be fully inclined to i mean they're not there necessarily to become like you lawyers right. or uh or historian. you know, historians or whatever how was that like teaching social studies in a science high school to be honest i think it was a lot of fun um mm. and i think my my sense of of the time was precise uh, students get so stressed with the sciences and maths Mm. That when they look to the humanities, they're looking for an easier time, <laughs> or they're looking for <laughs> it's an oasis. Or like some basically, <laughs> there you go. It's like an oasis. It's like uh, it's something that you you know you go through because it's part of the curriculum. But mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, it's something that you also and uh, that's something that they also enjoy. They also like. So that was my sense. But. Mm. Uh, my the kids at that time were very you know were very haggard with math and science that when they looked towards the social studies and humanities it was like an oasis it's like a respite from all the brain work mm-hmm. now so i had that insight early on and so we go okay then let's make it fun let's make it engaging and let's make it meaningful yeah and uh, and i think um there's also a benefit to teaching students who are very driven and very intelligent mm-hmm. um which also motivated me. You know? It created a feedback loop to myself to, to make me even better. Um, if you will teach them history and you're talking to kids with genius level IQ, yeah. they want it to make sense. They want to find meaning in what they're doing. You know? If you just give them dates and names to memorize, they're too smart for that. Yeah. So obviously, they want something deeper. They want something with meaning. And something with purpose. So that is what I'd like to to think I was able to provide. Yeah. And that is how I think uh, teaching social studies was like uh, in my years. That first full year uh, mm. that you started teaching, what were the challenges? I mean, like personally, just to share a little bit, you know, I teach in a school that and parang balik tayo. Um, ako naman, I'm you know science science high school graduate. The graduate sure. in an actual science uh, course, no education units whatsoever, and then uh, I'm teaching in a school where they're not necessarily, you know, inclined in science. I wouldn't say that they, I wouldn't go so far as they to say that they hate it, but at the same time, you know, it's different than when I was a when I was in Pisay. Because at least we have le- we have their own language. So parang kakaintindihan kami if we talk science. In right, right. This in my case now, the t- students I teach, they're not necessarily. That they're not necessarily um, inclined towards kind of thinking that I uh, that I had or my stu- my classmates had when we were students. So was it like that for you when you were starting to teach social su- social studies to people to students who are not necessarily inga, might not have the right mindset? I would suppose I'm, I'm not sure how it works in the other way. Well, but if you think about kids today, no, parang you're you're very interested in. Asian culture, etc. Yeah. Ako, my starting point is to melt, to break the ice with the students at the time. Was to really make it fun. Okay, that was my mm-hmm. my first uh, objective when I was teaching. I was also 21. I was also a, a young teacher, very idealistic. So yeah. I want to be the fun kind of teacher. <laughs> so I think that helped break the ice mm-hmm. uh, because I, you know, I, I, I inserted a lot of games. I inserted a lot of gimmicks early on. Yeah, and um, I know So when I get a new set of students, they hear stuff about what Sir Martin did last year, and it's something that they looked forward to. So, yeah. in order to bridge the interest divide, na they're not uh, really there to to be experts in social studies or history. It's number one to make it fun. Yun nga. Um, parang they're stressed out enough with the sciences and math. Na if I will stress them out more with social studies, uh, then wala na. They won't yeah. have the bandwidth for me anymore. So, yun, uh, so number one is to break the ice, make it interesting to them, um, make it fun, make it relatable. And then once you get the hook, then that's when you start uh, making it deeper. Uh, that's when you start inserting meaning and themes, etc. So, yeah, break the what, ice. Yeah. <laughs> In those nine years, was there ever a time okay. when you when you felt that, you know, 
you could go on autopilot already. Did it ever come to you that there was a time na within your stint in Pisay, parang, oh, I've done this for several school years now. Like, I think I can handle this. I can wing this, basically. Did it ever come to you? Or was it always that every year there's an intense amount of preparation involved? Um, you know, how did, how did it work for you? You know what? What's interesting? What's uh, what's interesting with your question is uh, during that time, I did start to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to the moment I feel that way, then I leave. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, parang or either I I leave or I I, I, Take I a move break on or, or I do something else. Do something else. Yeah, parang ganon. Because. Uh, Yeah, you know, it was Kaya really fun. Oh. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, baka yung discipline officer ng years na yun. Yeah, yeah. Tinamad na kayo magturo. <laughs> well, tinamad sa tinamad magturo. But, you know, there there comes a time na you feel na you want to do other things. Yeah. Um, if you think about that span of time, you know, those nine years, I'll put it into context. That was my 21 to 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. As a millennial, you know yeah. very well. In <laughs> dami, that dami, age frame, yeah, you're, you're you're finding you're finding yourself. You're you're testing. You're pushing your limits. So, yeah, at a certain point, I felt now. Okay, I got the formula. I I can do this forever. But at the same time, I wanted to continue pushing myself. So yeah, I did take on several assignments. So yung pagiging do in discipline officer, yeah, that's maybe the last. Uh, big assignment I took on and I took on willingly. Wait, I, don't I, don't re- I don't remember the well, others. You do. I, I was... Uh, the first C- one was... I CSD, was right? The Axis. Uh, Axis. Uh, yeah, first, the, or, the uh, first one org was... Advisor. Uh, yeah, I took on the org advisor role. Um, it was something I... I embraced. Kumbaga, it, it, those are the typical assignments that binibigay lang kasi... Uh, Somebody has to take it, but yeah. ako, Sige, a game, I'll take it. And I revamped it, I revitalized it. And then uh, later on, Batch Advisor. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2011 was my first one. And then 2013, kayo? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And, and then DO. So there was a part of me that was always uh, going after these opportunities to test myself to see what else I can do. So, yeah. <laughs> what was... What was the thing in your stint that, parang, that felt like this was your stroke of genius? Na parang, wait, ang ang galing na isip ko to or na isip ko tong gawin for my students or with my students or whatever. But was it like a particular project or you know something or a teaching style that you perfected? Na you felt that you know, this was the best thing I've done in design. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm pretty proud of uh, of the formula I started hitting around. Siguro in my fourth or fifth year into teaching, mm-hmm. or or I think more of my fourth year into teaching, um, it's when I started creating this uh, template in my head of okay. organizing my lessons through projects. Mm-hmm. No, and um, for example, it started when I was troubleshooting the third quarter. Um, because back then, oh, when we were still doing quarters, the third quarter was the shortest. Yeah. Uh, so something like uh, only nine weeks or something. And yet, tatamaan pa ng Pasko. Tatamaan ng Pasko, tatamaan ng Bagyo. And then mm. when you look at the syllabus, it's uh, there's a lot of topics going on. Yeah. And um, so I, I wanted to figure out a way to hit all the topics and make sure that the students get the competencies they need and, and, and have fun while doing it. So yeah. it was pretty ambitious. Uh, for me at the time, and Sabiko, um, so I designed the the mock trial. I don't know if you recall yeah, that. I remember uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, so, of, one, of, one of the fond memories. Yes, I, I actually remember when I had Ariza on in my podcast, she talked about hmm. that as well. That, that was one of her fondest memories of you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> teaching yeah. Soksai, the, the mock yeah, trials. That- And, and I look back to those times as you know, it was it was very fun. Um, and if you it there came to a point na template na sa akin. For example, I do the mock trial in the third quarter, and then I do the Middle East summit in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then I do the mock CN in the last part of the fourth quarter. So there was already a template. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I was pretty happy with that. I was pretty proud of that. And uh, Siguro the the missed opportunity lang was hindi ko siya nagawang module. <laughs> it was it was Para all in my, 
parang ganun, no? parang it was all in PowerPoints, di ba? Yeah. Uh, so, nung panahon na yun, bago pa yung PowerPoint, eh. So, you know, it was all just there, the guidelines and all of it. So. No, I remember when <laughs> you were doing PowerPoints in class, we would be so amazed at the transitions and <laughs> parang, <laughs> now looking back at it, parang, they were kind of cheesy, actually, but <laughs> knowing what we know now, but you know, back then it was like, wow, ang galing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's, fun. So, yeah. And especially those projects, yeah, the the mock trials. The you know, Middle East Summit. The Middle East where, Summit as well. Where we almost where, blew, uh, blew each other yeah, yeah, off, yeah, yeah, off the planet. I, I remember, kayo yata yung section, uh, if I remember, kamya ka ba nung time na yun? Kamya ko nun. But Champaka yeah, blew, blew each yeah, other to um, bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I had to, I had to intervene. Otherwise, it would all be game over. Yeah. <laughs> we were almost game over. And then we did like under the table talks. And he was like, no, we can't do this. We were too scared of failing at the time. So, but I'm, no, we can't do this. <laughs> well, very good. So, yeah. You did that by yourself. So, good job, guys. Good yeah. Because yeah. I actually thought it was illegal. So, parang, we shouldn't be doing this. But anyway, let's do it. So, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, you know, now that I'm. Now that I'm talking about it, the, those were fond memories of something that personally, if I if you if I if I look back at before I met you, before I had you as my teacher, I was thinking about ah social studies, so, man, babasa na naman or ano yeah, or yeah. memorize na naman ng na nangyari. And it wasn't it wasn't me. I, I don't read a lot, you know, even even if it's about science. I I'm not a big reader, so parang it was mm. it's something that tedious para sa akin. Pero you made it fun and you made it like you know, all the students that you've had, parang, if you, if they think about, you know, their social studies, you know, they would remember you very fondly. Do you miss it? Do you miss teaching? I mean, it's pretty early for that question because we'll talk more about, you know, your other roles after Pisai, but as, uh, you know, now that I asked it, you know, do you miss it? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, these, these are the things that, you, that brought me joy at, the, at that point in my life. Yeah. So I miss it in the sense that I look back and it was it was a good time, mm-hmm. and um, and but on the other hand, I know that students they are also very different. Yeah, I don't know if I if I'll have if the same activities will work or I'm sure, I'm sure if I stayed on it would have evolved, no? Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I, I do miss it. It was because it was a time that brought me a lot of joy, and a yeah. lot of uh, personal satisfaction as well. That's great. That's great. And we'll talk more about your work uh, after Pisai, right after this break. If you want to learn something new or useless about the world around you, why don't you try listening to the Banyu Podcast Reflushed on Spotify, Anchor, or any podcast app that you use. This holiday season, treat your sweet tooth to delicious goodies courtesy of Dulce House, the online shop for your guilty pleasures. You can buy chocolate chip cookies, Oreo cheesecake cookies, and other baked goodies. Use the promo code PIPE, that's P-I-P-E, to get a 10% discount on your next purchase. Visit dulcehouse.com now. And we're back here, the Pissarra Tales, where we are still with uh, Sir Martin Perez, right? Um, he was my teacher in Pisay, but, you know, at some point, he did leave, right? Uh, after nine years of teaching, uh, he left. And you know, from what I understand is that he founded one of the founders, uh, one of the founding members of QED. So QED is mm-hmm. Quality Education Design, Inc. Uh, tell us more about QED. What did you guys do there? Oh, okay. So QED is Quality Education Design. It's actually a small company that uh, was founded by my former dean in AIM. No? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the quick background to that uh, JM is that uh, when I did my master's in development management in 2013, yeah. So practically, I was one of the I was one of the education sector people uh, in the class, mm-hmm. and uh, our dean at the time, uh, Professor Juan Miguel Luz, was, uh, was also formerly from from the Department of Education. Okay. So there was a in, in a way there was a there was a natural affinity there. And um, after we, after I finished the program, uh, there was an opportunity that he approached me with. No? Practically said, na, uh, I know this group, they're looking at uh, putting up schools in their development, and uh, they're looking for a group to help them put it up. 
basically. Yeah. So that was that. That was us. Uh, so we came together as quality education design, and uh, we partnered with a with a real estate developer. Uh, and practically, their vision was to create uh, community schools inside their villages. Mm-hmm. So as they, kumaga, they don't want to create uh, another La Salle Green Hills or another big school that would attract a lot of traffic. But uh, yeah. their, their dream is to have smaller schools near the neighborhoods where yeah. students can walk, walk to school, they can, they can bike to school. And then kami, sa QED, what we had to do was to create the systems. Because their competence was really in, uh, was really in construction and uh, real estate. So kami, we brought in the competence for curriculum design, for mm-hmm. hiring. Or teacher training. So yeah, that was QED. That's what we did for for four years. No, it was a consultancy yeah. project. No, and uh, eventually it did come to an end. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking at the things that you were doing uh, with QED, I also see that you were working with a particular school. I'm not sure if that was a school that you guys instituted or was it a school that you're that is already brought up, but at the same time you guys were just helping it grow. Was it something like that, or did you really got did you really start the school from scratch? No, it was a it was a school that the that our partner started. No? Mm. Uh, the school is out in Cavite. It's called Saint Edward School. Yeah, uh, right now, and um, I think they were in their second or third year of operation when QAD com- came in. No? Mm. Uh, they they put up one campus, and what they wanted to do was put up uh, at least uh, four more campuses. Yeah. So it, it was really in how do you manage uh, a multi-campus system that uh, we came in as QED. Mm. So how do you train the teachers? How do you make sure that the students go to the proper campus, etc.? So that's what we came in for. How different was that, you know, from being an actual teacher to creating systems, basically, from doing management stuff? Uh, mm. How was that transition like? Okay, that was a, that's a very interesting question. And parang... Uh, one of the things that uh, teachers usually think about no, is, for example, when you're starting out as a teacher, and then once you get some years under you, you start thinking about creating your own school, or you start, create, think, you start dreaming about creating your own system. Or at the very least, you will say, oh, if I will run my own school, I won't do this. I'll yeah. do this instead. If I were to be a principal, this is what I wanted. Right, right. So it was at that stage in my life. Kumaga, I just finished with uh, I just finished in AIM. Mm-hmm. So this uh, there was this part of me who felt uh, I had some confidence with uh, with with some new newly acquired skills on how to to do budgets and how to do operations. So Sabiko, yeah. finally now I can bridge uh, the dream with the reality. Okay. So, yeah, that was my in. And then sabi ko, okay, with, uh, with QED, that would be the opportunity. And it, it helped that I had uh, a partner and I uh, had uh, eventually a team who we all felt the same way. Uh, Tipong, for example, yeah. we don't want purely lectures. We want a lot of activities. We wanted mm. uh, learning by doing was our principle uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, how do we create teachers who can do mock trials and Middle East summits practically. So that was that was my motivation. That was yeah. what made that was what made the job exciting and challenging for me. Does your experience from coming from a public school, essentially Pisaya is a public school, you know, right. knowing the ins and outs of how you know public schools essentially work, did, did that help you in knowing how to create, you know, systems of your own in terms of running schools? Like, were there things that you learned from Pisayana para, hey, this might work, or things that you uh, you learned from Pisayana, hey, this might not be the best way to run this particular aspect of education? Okay. Uh, I think there's two sides to that, to my answer to that. It's a, It has to be, it will be a, a yes and a no. Yeah. Uh, the yes part would be the classroom setting. Okay. Um, no. Uh, just like you, I don't have uh, education units until mm. now. Actually, I don't have formal education units. No. But but the education that I have into teaching, into into how students learn and how teachers uh, should teach or facilitate was really developed in those nine years in Pisay. Kumbaga, mm. my theory of learning, my philosophy of teaching. So in that sense, yes. Kumbaga, when I face the teachers uh, in St. Edwards and even the teachers now in, in Orolio, I talk about 
um, I draw from the nine years I had in Pisar. Yeah. That, uh, so that is one of my inspirations. And then no, in the sense, and maybe we can discuss this later you now when no, we I... talk more about, uh, about FINMA education, yeah. etc. Is that the world of the public and the private are very different. <laughs> in terms of in terms of setting up um, the business, so budget palang iba. Yeah. You know? For example, in, in the public sector, you have a fixed budget, but in the private sector, your business is your budget. So yeah. you, if you don't have enrollment, then there is no revenue. If you have no revenue, then you have nothing to spend on for your expenses. So yeah. there's an entire side of the business side, which I had to learn fast uh, and in real time. You now when I did QED. And eventually, in education, it's actually something that I'm very interested about because you know sure. I grew up in public schools essentially, beside UP, where you know that there will be an education budget, and this is where you know the institution will have to work their means. But now I right. teach in a pub in a private school, and knowing right. private schools, you know, education is their business, and it's something that I've been you know thinking about. In a way, especially in my past episodes, I suppose I'm not sure if you caught the one with uh, when I talked to Lacan about neoliberalism in education, and of course, you right. know, you're pretty much aware of you know, all these calls for you know socialized education and you know right, education right. being basically a right, and that the government should be funding it. So this whole nature of private schools, you know, where essentially their business is education. It's it's something that always interests me because like how can you run something that you personally might feel like it's a right every student should have, but at the same time you have all these uh, business responsibilities. You know, you, you get, again, ko wala magendrol, wala kang pampapondo, wala ka namang pampabayad ng renta, wala kang pampabayad ng kuryente, and it's all that. Parang I'm not again. I'm a young teacher, so it's just something that I think about. Maybe you could give me an insight. You know. Does that relate more to your work in Finma, I suppose? So, how much time do we have? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> go lang, go lang. Mas madali, mas, like, I always tell my guests, mas madaling magtanggal kesa magdagdag. So, it, you know, but, uh, okay. but honestly, sure, like, sure. that's something that I do think about. Um, because personally, I do feel that, I, I guess maybe it's just the youth in me, but also I think that, you know, education it should be subsidized by the government because it is a right supposedly that all students should be able to be literate enough to be um, you know but of course knowing now that I'm on the other side I also understand the reality that you know somebody has to pay for this like literally right, right. like there are no free lunches basically so right 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 yun yung, I guess it's not a bit of a dilemma I suppose in my head I don't lose sleep over it, but like it's just something that I think about, uh, you know, as I go along my education journey. So maybe you could tell more about that, you know, relating, I guess, to Finma, because I believe that, you know, when I saw that you started working out in Finma and I was looking up what the school was and that whole system, it's partly about something about affordable education. Yes, right, uh, yeah. Right, so right, maybe you could right. explain more about that. Okay, well. So where do we start? So, uh, so this is a very multifaceted. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's break it down first. How did you get into film? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Um, so how did I got into Finma? So when After our QED. project, yeah, when QED, when the project with QED ended, so there was an opportunity to to move on to to other things. And uh, around that time, I was thinking, do I go back into teaching or do I continue pushing uh, with education management and uh, it was at that time, of course, that um, well, I, I got some referrals into into Finma Education, and then I was able to to set up some meetings with people. We got to talking about what we did with uh, with QED, and uh, surprisingly, it's very similar uh, to what uh, Finma Ed was doing already at that time. Mm-hmm. Siguro Finma Ed was just uh, ahead of QED by ten years, fifteen years, okay. uh, in, in terms of maturity. So the systems that we were designing in QED, uh, Finma Ed has already been implementing. So okay. so that w- that was the transition basically. And uh, I started I think in late twenty eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. First, I did business development for uh, for Finma Education. Um, I had some small, uh, some smaller projects uh, with the company at the time. Uh, I think I started doing something along the lines of uh, Tivet, uh, 
technical vocational education. Mm-hmm. So that's complete. That's something completely new to me. Um, and then later on, I got uh, assigned uh, as an assistant uh, chief operations officer in Iloilo. So for yeah, if you recall, there was a spell that I was in Iloilo for a while. Yeah. Uh, so So that was it. That's how I got into Finma mm-hmm. education. And your role was more of like big picture stuff, basically. Um, you were part of the admin. So maybe going back to you know my my dilemma, I suppose. <laughs> how how do you reconcile that idea that knowing that education should be for everyone, but at the same time, you're part of a business. So how okay. how, how how was that uh, juggling in your head? Okay, the way we the way we we synthesize all of that, and the way I. I, I now put that all together even for myself. No? Um, starting with our company's mission. No? So our mission is, is to make lives better through education. So, so that's the that's the company line. And um, by intent and design, we target the, the, the low-income segment, the low-income market. So that's why you said, Kanina, that we have uh, this thing on affordable education. Yeah. Uh, so don't you and uh, and that when you look at it no, if you look at the the Philippine context if you look at the the big picture uh, there are actually a lot of students who if you think about the Philippine education system JM as a funnel hmm. you have a huge enrollment in basic education but as they move up to the years um, less and less move on to the, to the next level so, for example, well, I don't know the national numbers at the moment, but for example, for Region 3 where I am, mm-hmm. uh, the last time I looked at the data for those who are graduating senior high school, for yeah. those who are graduating senior high school, Halimbawa, if you have a base of about 100,000 from grade 10, when they go to grade 12, it's down to 70. Okay. And when they, go to, when they go to tertiary, it's down to 30. Mm-hmm. So, ang tanong dyan is where is the rest of the 70% going? Mm-hmm. Parang, so, you have a lot of students who are actually falling out of, uh, of, of the education system. And one of the things that we have to grapple with as a company, you know, which, which our founders were thinking about, was uh, there is a huge demand for education. But either because the uh, capacity of the state, of course, mm-hmm. we have state universities, but they, again, they cannot also accommodate all the students. Yeah. So that's part of the reality. So we wanted to create an, an option for the students to, to go to. And what we wanted to do was to be to be affordable, to be as accessible to as many Filipino children as we can, to Filipino college students as we can, so that we can make really make an impact. You know? And um, at the same time, as you said, uh, we cannot uh, we cannot do it for free. Yeah. Uh, eventually, this has to be. This ha- it has to. The business has to sustain itself. It has yeah. to grow. It has to continue. And um, here is where I draw from my from my year in AIM. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very, there was a very good module that I always go back to in AIM, saying what is the difference between thinking business and thinking development. Yeah. yeah. When you say thinking business, of course you're you're worried about the bottom line. Uh, you're, you're you're worried about uh, how much uh, net income you're going to be making the profits but yeah. when you think develop the profits but when you think about development you think about the impact you know, you think about impact what are you making the lives of your of your community better are you making a difference in the communities that you are serving yeah so that's one difference and then another is in businesses we look at profitability Mm-hmm. Okay, so various businesses, you have indicators about uh, how well you are spending your resources, whether you are profitable, etc. But in development, the concern is really sustainability. Okay. Can you can you grow? Can you can you sustain yourselves? Can you can you keep on doing the good that you are doing? So, oh, that's how I bridge what we do for for education. Mm-hmm that uh, there is a need, there is a demand, which we're filling up, and there must be a way for us to keep on doing what we are doing. So that's where the business side comes in uh, for sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, I think what makes, if I can just make one last point, what makes it, um, I'm sure if, for, sometimes people struggle with it uh, at the level of conscience, etc. Yeah. But... Uh, Really, what you have to 
what it all boils down to in the end is the quality that you are giving to your to your clients, yeah. the service that you're giving to your clients. If you're giving them crappy education, then feel guilty. Yeah, definitely. If your school is crappy, if your school is just, uh, you know, it's a different mahal mahal then by all means, feel guilty. <laughs> but, but if you are affordable and you give and you are able to make them, if you are able to help them get a better life, you are able to steer them towards employability, if you are mm-hmm. able to help them pass the board exam, um, then by all means, uh, be proud of what you're doing. Be proud of your company. So, yeah. That's, uh, now that I think about something that I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Something that I think about though, you you mentioned about quality education, and you know, growing up, you know, it's not something that I guess people have a sense that, parang inya, if you're paying a lot, you get good quality. I mean, I grew up before Pisaya, I was in a private school, and my parents paid good money to mm-hmm. send me there because, you know, presumably they thought that, you know, being in a private school would grant me the best education possible at the time. And of mm-hmm. course, you have all these different private schools, na, yun nga, of course, where you came from, Ateneo and La Salle's, and, you know, all these different institutions mm-hmm. that, let's face it, they are rather expensive, but you know that they're getting good mm-hmm. quality. So, in your on your mm-hmm. end in Finmine and Aralio, how how do you make something of good quality also affordable? How, how do you drop costs? I guess without getting too technical, I suppose, but just you know, in a in a nutshell, how do you keep how do you keep it affordable while still maintaining that quality? Okay, uh, without going too technical yeah. and without giving away all our secrets. Of course. <laughs> and, 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 and even if you did, I mean, I'm not an econ major, so I wouldn't fully understand it anyway. But just, I guess, for the casual listener, how would you explain to them na parang, because hmm. you know, for the longest time, we thought na pag, kailang, pag magandang quality, kailangan mahal yan. Or at least, kapag, ano right, yan, right, you, right. you would expect it to be expensive. So how do you keep things, right, affo- right. how do you keep education affordable? Okay. How do you keep quality education affordable? So there's a longer answer to your question, which could be for a different discussion. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really, there are a lot of metrics that we look out for. But uh, maybe for the casual listener, if I will mm. just illustrate with one example, okay. with one very clear example. Uh, so universities like Ateneo, like uh, La Salle, etc., they have basketball teams which they maintain. Mm. And it's part of the image. It's part of their branding. And it's part of how they create all of this uh, pool with the alumni, etc. Yeah. So that's one of the things that we did away with, no, in in Finmaed, no. So what we what we we have what we call the bare bones and brass knuckles strategy. So we, right. so years ago, when uh, when the, the founders of Finmaed, the, the first CEOs, uh, looked at Finma education, they looked at uh, bare bones and brass knuckles. It's really stripping down education to the basic minimum, the basic. Uh, what's essential mm-hmm. because uh, if you look at it given our clients given the low income market if we have a lot of costs then eventually it gets divided up and it translates into higher fees for the student yeah right? but if you do away with the unnecessary things like maintaining a basketball team maintaining a high tech sports facility yeah uh, then that's a lot that's a lot of costs that is removed from your from your books and mm-hmm. It translates into lower fees to the students. Oh. So, come in, that's that's the basic thing that we do. And uh, in my assignment now, uh, in what I do now, that's practically what keeps me up at night. You know, how do I? How do we make? <laughs> how do I make sure that our operations are are lean? Because uh, you know, eventually these things, uh, even if they if they're in the tens of centavos, it adds up and it translates into into higher fees for our students. So yon, that's uh, that's how we look at it. And at the same time, when we do bare bones, sabi natin, uh, then what is essential? What has to stay? So we have, uh, so the company is very exciting to be in actually because there are a lot of uh, healthy debates about, okay, the Ched CMO says that we have to do this, but should we really do it? Yeah. And uh, maybe we can say na it can be a certain standard instead of spending too much, etc. So, you know, we just stick to what helps students learn practically. Now that you mentioned about that uh, basketball example, um, <laughs> without, without getting into a full-on 
argument. I'm not really arguing, but I guess naisi ko lang. What if there's someone out there who might be thinking of um, oh, they might try to justify that whole basketball expense by saying that oh, it's keeping students well rounded and all that. So do you factor that whole aspect of a well rounded education? Na parang hindi lang puro aral ni mga bata. They also get leisure and recreation and all these things. Does that factor into your idea of what is essential? Yes, of course, of course. Hindi naman nawawala yun. about who benefits directly. Uh, so, for example, in that case, you have a, a team that you maintain. But then, um, instead of maintaining for, instead of maintaining a team, then you just focus on the essentials of sport. Like uh, uh, for a multi-level sports complex, um, then with the space that we have, and we don't have a lot of space in our schools either, then mm-hmm. what are the essential facilities, what are the essential public spaces that should be there so students can do activities, they can yeah. have that well-roundedness that you say. No? Because even that concept of well-roundedness, of course, we can approach it from different ways. Hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least it gave me a better sense, I guess, on the whole idea of a private, a private education. Um, mm-hmm. Did your view of education change from all those years back when you were in Pisay, when you were still being a teacher, and now, you know, you're an educational administrator, essentially. Um, how did mm. that view of education change, apart from, you know, the things that you already mentioned? But in general, on a personal level, how did your view of education change? It changed, uh, I guess, in the sense that um, now I know the other side of it. No? Um, yeah. What I mean by that is, of course, when you're in the classroom, uh, your classroom is your world, essentially. Uh, mm. The curriculum is your is your guide. Uh, the students are your world. The classroom is your world. But then um, behind it, there's an entire other system that goes on that makes sure that the classrooms are there, <laughs> that yeah. makes sure that the teachers get hired, that makes sure that the teachers get trained. Uh, so now I get to see that part. Mm. Um, and uh, for myself, speaking for myself, um, my view of education continues to grow, continues to evolve. Um, I don't want to lose sight of the of the magic that happens in the classroom. Uh, I always hold on to that to make sure that the learning takes place, that it's fun, it's fulfilling for everybody involved. But at the same time, to make sure that, uh, at least for speaking for for, for our school, not to make sure that everything's up and running, so that that classroom can exist, so that classroom can take place, and. Uh, I guess the reason why I say it's still evolving because on the other hand is there's this entire layer naman that's even outside of our direct control. No? Mm-hmm. Even as a, as a, as a private uh, school, as a private company, of course, there are a lot of things in our control as far as the business is concerned. Mm-hmm. But um, there's an entire sphere that we don't have control on and that would be regulation, that would be policy, yeah. which affects us in the day-to-day. No? Uh, things like face-to-face, Mm. Uh, right now we just we just comply, but eventually this, that's also another side of the coin that we want to look into, and see if we can if we can shape in some way or form. I mean, <laughs> that that para naisik parang when we were talking about that para naisik ko lang. Nagpaparinig ba to? Parang gusto mo nung mag-deped nitong si Sir Martin. <laughs> May balak ba itong mag-deped? <laughs> Parang ganun yung vibes na nakukuha ako eh. But anyway, quick quick note. Hindi uh, uh, na ba? Hindi na ba? Hindi <laughs> pa. Hindi pa. <laughs> no, quick note about, you know, this past year, I suppose. I mean, of course, it's already 2021. But of course, uh, as of recording, we still can't do face-to-face. You know, just a quick update, I guess, on how FINMA is doing with regards to remote learning. What are the things that you've been doing to bridge that gap? Okay. Well, of course, like with most schools, we had to go with distance learning. Mm-hmm. And um, we have uh, two programs in place, essentially. Uh, we call them uh, Flex Learning and Rad Learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, flex is flexible learning, so it, it, it looks similar to a lot of what other schools are doing. You have the modules, you, you have to make sure that the students and teachers talk to one another. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the remote and distance learning for students because we encounter students that they cannot go to school no? physically. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a different way to reach out to them and to, and to engage them in class. And uh, yeah, moving forward, though, we will be doing more of these. Yeah. Um, I know we hate the phrase new now, but it's really the new normal. No? Yeah. <laughs> that we have to... It's, we have to... it's cliche, but it's true. So, it's cliche. It's cliche. Uh, 
So you've spent some time already being a teacher in front of the front of the classroom, in front of the blackboard, sure. and you've also spent mm. a considerable amount of time being an administrator. Right now, parang fast talk siguro. Which one would you want to be more? Back in the classroom or just keep going behind the desk? Wow, do I have to choose? <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah, if you had to choose. If I had to choose, well, classroom or behind the desk? I think that's your question. Yeah. Um, of course, with where I am at my point in life, it, well, the true answer there is it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. But uh, given uh, the opportunities that I have at the moment and where I'm placed, it would be the desk. The <laughs> desk. <laughs> because um, there's a lot yeah, behind the desk. Because like, way, if, somebody, if somebody offered you a job yeah. to teach, if somebody offered you the job to teach, and, you know, uh, benefits are, are great, uh, you know, it's the, <laughs> most ideal, it's the most ideal teaching scenario for you. You have that and the job that you're doing right now, which is also ideal. So we're not talking about the benefits here, just what you want to do. What I'd really want to do, well, anyway, but yung joy talaga ng teaching, I would have to say. Uh, teaching is it's really something that uh, is so joyful. No? Yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, that, that is, at least that's how I remember it. That's how I remember yeah, it. Yeah, fair so, enough, fair enough. all things being equal, that would be a good place to be. It would be. I wouldn't mind uh, teaching, but um, but I also am positively challenged with with sitting behind the desk right yeah. now, you know? um, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done, mm-hmm. and um, also a lot of uh, lives that uh, that are relying yeah. on the decisions we make, of course, uh, and all of that. So in in a way, the question to me it's what I want versus where we are needed you know, and uh, nah. where we are called to serve at the moment. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, final thoughts. So I asked... Sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. It's definitely fine. I wasn't, I wasn't really hoping that you'd say teaching anyway. I was just wondering because you, you're, you're now on both sides. And of course, me, I've only been teaching for... This is only my second school year. So I can't fully say parang I would want to be an administrator So because I don't have that prior experience right, right, and right. even if even if I already have like accrued enough experience in teaching if I get offered the job in school administration parang di ko pa rin talaga maisip na I would want to do that but at least you know you have the experience yeah. already well, no, no. yeah but maybe to to put some to put some context into 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 that answer um, I want to continue what I'm doing for for FinmaEd and for AU uh-huh. But at the same time, it wouldn't hurt if I get to teach a class on the side. Parang ganun. Okay. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so Parang especially now that we're we're doing distance learning, maybe you know there are times naman na I can carve out in my schedule for a three-hour class maybe and yeah, and really be something along the lines of development. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I know there are a lot of uh, guys your age, no, in your in in your age group who. Who want to do development work, yeah. but don't know exactly what to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think yeah. uh, I tell I, I tell I tell my I tell my colleagues in AIM, no, even the former dean, Sabeko, you're targeting a lot of professionals uh, for your development management course. But I think there's an opportunity to target uh, the younger professionals who are still up and coming and are still finding their way. So, oh, I'd like to continue what I'm doing, but it would also be nice if I get to talk to a younger set and maybe I teach a class in, in management and yeah. development. That would be nice. Right. That would be really nice. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, yeah, real uh, answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect. Um, final thoughts. I asked these, uh, especially to my guests that are teachers as well. So these three things, and I always get different answers every time, so that's why I keep asking them. Uh, first question, what do you sure. think are your strengths and weaknesses as an educator? My strength is, I think, uh, I would say I'm pretty good at contextualizing a lesson uh, to mm-hmm. the current times. So that was something that uh, that I, was, I feel I was able to do consistently when I was teaching in Pisay. Yeah. Um, and... Um, if I were teaching now, no, parang describe ko sa'yo na class to to young development uh, aspirants. Na parang ganon, how to to contextualize what's in the book uh, into their real life experience. Yeah. So 
to me, that's uh, I consider that my strength as an educator, as teaching. Um, but the the flip side of that is that um, sometimes I can get very impatient. Impatient in the sense na you know, temporary we we are in the business of trying to change the world, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's it does it, it's not happening as fast as we want it. Okay. And uh, you is, know, that, is that the same as like the, pagkanyari may explain kasi student kasi hindi niya nagets agad is that kind of impatient or it's more of a big picture thing? Ano, uh, it's more of a big picture thing. It's a more of a big picture thing. Uh, maybe that's why a part of me, uh, like when I was in Pisaya, was always looking for something else to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when all is said and done, what would you like to have done? What was your biggest goal as an educator? Uh, to see a better country. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, real talk. Uh, yeah. To see a better country. And um, I guess a part of me, whenever I, I get a chance to reflect on questions like these, parang looking at where I am now, how do we move that process along mm-hmm. faster? Um, okay, uh, at one point I was uh, been working in the classroom and um, I do feel I was, I've been able to touch some lives positively. Um, but then it's like know, it's like uh, it's like stopping a flood with a teaspoon, uh, and you, and there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, a lot more that a lot more lives that need help, a lot of a lot more people that need uh, to be educated. So yeah, so that's one of the things I hope for in a, a better country, please. <laughs> Definitely. R- right now, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, right now. Um, last. <laughs> Any advice for someone who's probably listening to this episode? I mean, apart from your millions of uh, fans from Pisay, but, <laughs> but <laughs> joke lang. But you know, someone who's probably listening to this episode and thinking about getting into teaching, especially with you know the extent of your career as of date. What what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about getting it into education? Just do it. All right, just do it. Ako, just go for it. Oh, we need you. Um, If, uh, if there's somebody here who is thinking about teaching, whether you know they'll be able to to feed the, their family or whatever, uh, just do it. Um, because uh, well, the country needs you, uh, and uh, we need good teachers. We need a lot who are. We need people who are dedicated. We need uh, we need you. Period. <laughs> so that's that's the only thing I will say to those who are plain thinking and simple, about whether plain they and simple. Of course, thank plain you. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Sir Martin, for coming. This has been a long time coming, but I'm really happy to have you as my first guest of the year. Uh, thank you. Know, you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Finally, like a time tayo. Anything you would like to plug or promote? Personal projects, big picture projects, what have you? Go ahead. Floor is yours. Uh, well, not the one really to plug, but more of uh, to acknowledge. Uh, first, uh, of course, would be you, JM. I think you're doing really well. Uh, Thank you with uh, with this podcast. Uh, <laughs> you look like you're having a lot of fun and joy. Uh, it's my, it's it, my so... excuse to talk to people, basically. <laughs> That is not work related. No, very good. <laughs> very good. Very good. Sabi ko ka para we have most likely we'll be doing something like that. So it's very it's very cool no? and. Um, You're able to. It's a, it's a good platform for teachers such as yourself. Uh, so Thank just you. ca- carry on, and uh, I'd also like to just say hi to you know to to those to my former students who are listening, who I'm sure <laughs> are following you. Um, so I see a lot of them on Facebook, and I know that I don't post as much on social media yeah. uh, these days as before. But I just want to take this opportunity to tell all my former students of how proud I am of every one of you. Um, I do see, I do follow the updates. I do yeah. uh, look at your stories from time to time, and I see everyone doing well in their own different way. Um, and, and I also see the struggles of some and how you're powering through it with with family and friends. So that that's, uh, that to me is very inspiring until now. And uh, when I look at, at you guys, even if I we don't talk like like you like Jim yeah. and I are talking right now, then para sa akin, okay. Um, I was I was glad to be part of that uh, journey or to to meet you at one point. And um, last, I'd like to acknowledge is uh, would be all my peers uh, in QED and in FinMed if you happen to be listening. Um, so it's a new year, and uh, when I was thinking about the things I am thankful for, 
is that I'm very thankful that uh, we have this opportunity to to work in a sector that we that we feel so passionate for. Uh, kumbaga, there's just so many ways that we can make an impact in education, and I am uh, happy and honored and, and proud to be counted among um, education practitioners, whether it's from PISAI, from QED, or FINMA Education. So, yun lang naman, JM. And uh, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. And let's Happy New all Year, carry on. Let's Thank all carry you. On. And yun nga, like, uh, just a quick note before we say goodbye. Uh, and uh, sure. na episode to kasi it also it's kind of fitting that you're my first guest because it kind of reinvigorated my way of, of wanting to be a teacher i mean kind of brought me back to that moment of my life na you know i shifted careers from being a scientist yeah, to being yeah. a teacher so uh thank you for that thank you for reminding me you're and wel- you're hopefully, welcome hopefully um you know some of the listeners as well um felt invigorated whether it be for the first time or for the nth time uh, into <laughs> this whole education sector thank you very much sir martin and thank you as well to all our uh, listeners thank you for listening to the pisara tales be sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at the pisara tales if you have any messages or comments if you don't want to do that if you want to email us the pisara tales at gmail.com that is our email address the original music that you heard and will hear was composed by ej Drelin. once again this is sir j wishing you a wonderful day.